Let's start it up again on another edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to it as we head into a Thursday, which is looking a lot more like spring than anything we've seen for a while and probably the best day of the next several. You'll catch that on your weather coming up here on your local Rural Radio Network station. Right now, though, let's get a preview with our roundtable. We've got all of the folks around here in the know about what you'll be hearing about the next hour and a half to two. And just stay with us along the Rural Radio Network. And Susan Littlefield has the roundup on the Ag Team today. Well, good morning and hey, everybody. Lots of things happening today. First of all, it finally is starting to feel like spring out. If uh, you get a chance, uh, there'll be folks getting out, getting ready to do some work out in the fields. And we'll talk more about things that you need to do to get preparation, including looking at your tires. Have you ever thought about how important it is to do those tire checks ahead of uh, spring field work? We've got that coming up at 1219. Coming up 1245, Nebraska lead. If you are somebody who wants to better yourself in leadership and agriculture or just find out more about how you can give back, we'll have more on that at 1245. Then taking place, coming up, my, my computer just glitched. Coming up also at, uh, one, I can't even tell you what's going to happen now at one. Oh, here it is. Beef in schools take two. My computer just kind of blinked at 117. So that'll be taking place. So lots of things happening. Check out more coming up from the midday with the ag team. All right. Very good. We'll let you go. And uh, Susan, we'll be looking forward to all of those stories. Uh, let's get over to Jason Jorgensen, who has the sports microphone in front the of him. The NCAA men's basketball tournament fires up again tonight. We're yeah. at the Sweet 16 a weekend. Four games are on tap tonight. Kansas State in the Battle of the Wildcats. They get a matchup with Kentucky. They'll be playing that one in Atlanta. That one starts at 8.37. The first game, probably not a lot of people in their brackets had Loyola of Chicago taking on Nevada. (laughs) But but that's how it worked out. So a couple of Cinderella's there dueling at uh, 6.07. Then the uh, second matchup has Michigan against Texas A&M. Already mentioned Kansas State-Kentucky. The last game... You have Florida State. They're in the Sweet 16 for the first time in 25 years as they'll try to pull off another stunner as they battle Gonzaga. Also, another college basketball news, Creighton Jr. Kyrie Thomas. He's kind of kicking the tires, thinking about potentially leaving early for the riches of the NBA. He has applied to that committee they have that lets these guys know if they have much of a chance of being drafted or not. We'll give you the latest on that. And also coming up in sports, we'll hear from one of Nebraska's new assistant coaches, former Husker Ryan Held. He's kind of a sharp guy. Had a chance to talk to him a little bit last week. Uh, he's a new running backs coach, and we'll get his thoughts on that new Husker offense that will be installed this spring. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people looking forward to that spring game, isn't there? Yeah, about 90,000. <laughs> And a few more. Is it true that they actually have considered two spring games? Well, not another game, but maybe another practice. But I haven't heard anything more about that. Okay. But that, that would be history-making if they Wouldn't did that. Wouldn't that be something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, it is Nebraska f- football, you know. Uh, Bob Brogan with some business. Stocks are falling sharply. Bond prices are climbing as investors fear that trade tensions will spike between the U.S. and China. Uh, meanwhile, uh, U.S. trade rep... Robert Lighthizer saying that Canada and Mexico will be exempt from the tariffs. Another thing, sweeping budget bill clears a hurdle in the House. Those are some of the stories that we're watching and making news today. All right, and the news keeps moving on, and we keep moving ahead with Midday on the Rural Radio Network. 
Well, here's Paul Perkins, and I will bet you my bottom dollar that he's been looking at some weather for us, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. What does it hold in store for agriculture? Well, things looking pretty good for today. A big ridge of high pressure pushing what cloud cover we do have across the area into eastern Nebraska. Now into Iowa, we're getting underneath the dome of high pressure and warming up nicely. It's warm as the mid to upper 60s right now over northeast Colorado. Yep, you're starting to see a little more sunshine, a little more greening up in all of those fields out there. Too. Yeah, definitely. I've noticed that in the old lawns, everything yeah. getting a little green. Of course, we've been getting some beneficial moisture, and then that warmth really helping out on the cause. And this is probably the warmest day of the next week or so? Yeah, better enjoy it if you do have some plans. Not that it's going to get overly cold over the next week or so, but yeah, today the warmest or nicest day for most of us over the next seven days with that ridge of high pressure moving overhead and warming our temperatures into the 60s and 70s. We will see even warmer temperatures tomorrow in advance of a front over northern Kansas. Tonight, a disturbance could result in some light rain over northern Nebraska and some sprinkles in the central and east. Otherwise, tomorrow, all eyes will be towards an area of low pressure developing over eastern Colorado, starting to tap into some Gulf moisture. That will lead to limited instability, not going to be a big threat for severe weather, just a chance of some thunderstorms late in the day tomorrow on into tomorrow night as the cold front tracks towards the east. If we do see some uh, severe activity, it could be some isolated strong to severe thunderstorms in southeastern areas with some large hail and gusty winds. Right now, severe weather appears to be a long shot. Our next chance of precipitation on Sunday into Monday. Most of the weekend should be dry. Low pressure develops across the high plains on Sunday and pulls more moisture to the north. Rain and a few thunderstorms expected to start developing across the panhandle late Sunday afternoon and then track towards the east early next week. More low pressure over the desert southwest will track across the southern plains. That's going to keep just a small chance of rain, maybe a snow mix in that forecast from Monday through Tuesday night in our area. Temperature is going to be cooler, but still pretty much seasonal. In the long-term forecast, the likelihood Nebraska and Kansas temperatures will be at least slightly cooler than normal Tuesday through the first four days of April. That outlook starts with near-normal to above-normal precipitation in the middle part of next week for both Nebraska and Kansas. Looks like our better chances of moisture across Kansas. Near-normal precipitation in the forecast for Nebraska and Kansas later next week. That includes the Easter weekend and through April 4th. In the latest drought monitor, drought coverage in Nebraska decreased just a little. 81% of Nebraska is drought-free. It's still abnormally dry to a moderate drought south of the Platte River from McCook and Frontier County into the southeast. If you're hearing some maybe crackles of thunder, it's one of our speakers uh, cracking up over here. <laughs> in Kansas, the only drought-free county is in Cheyenne. Most of the northern third and the extreme east have normally dry or a moderate drought. Most of the southern two-thirds of south-central and southwest Kansas in severe to extreme drought. And that continues to be the case right near the Oklahoma border, that highest stage of drought at exceptional drought. Weather factors driving the markets include continued Argentina dryness and more drought impact in the southern plains. Late in the week, a fast-moving storm will produce some snow from the northern plains to the central Appalachians. Early next week, another storm delivering more snow to parts of the north-central U.S. as well as locally heavy thunderstorms from the western Corn Belt to the southeast plains. Hot weather will prevail across the south-central U.S. in advance of that storm. Could see several days of 90-degree heat, although some drought-affected winter wheat on the central and southern plains received beneficial moisture early this week. 
That return to warm, dry weather may reverse some of the positive effects. Red flag warnings likely to expand north into Kansas tomorrow. A more active southern trough of low pressure will bring a chance for needed rain in north-central Texas and southwest Oklahoma early next week. Unfortunately, the driest areas of the Texas and Oklahoma panhandles and southwest Kansas are only going to see a little light rain. Very dry weather in central Argentina will continue to adversely impact corn and soybeans in Cordoba and Santa Fe after last weekend's rain failed to reach those important growing areas and no significant rain is in sight for those areas. Snap, crackle, and pop. I don't know if you could. It was pretty hard to hear there, but I actually thought that Clay Patton's Jiffy Pop had finally reached critical mass. I don't know if I'm right on that or not. Well, I, I'm kind of mad at this speaker. If it's going to do that, at least when I'm doing talking about thunderstorms, start doing the crackling and popping there. Brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your ag weather with Paul Perkins here. A limited instability here. I'm not sure we're talking about the trade uh, forecast or the weather forecast. Which one? Uh, the, the weather forecast. Okay, but right. Yeah, it's not looking at a big threat for any severe weather. You know, if we had some higher instability, maybe that threat for severe weather. But right now, it looks like that severe weather threat looks to be pretty minimal. Not going to be either uh, probably a big precipitation event for tomorrow. Probably looking at a better chance of rain Sunday night into Monday. All right, so stick with us when you need weather anytime. KRVN.com. Time for a market update on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. After President Trump says that he'll place tariffs of about $60 billion on imports from China, there was some scrambling in the market. Still, soybeans being able to find some strength back from a strong meal market indicated by South by Argentina's drought. Over in the livestock sector, though, hogs really taking it hard, still trying to find a bottom. That's forcing more buying pressure into the cattle complexes. May corn right now, 375 and a half, up a half. July, 383 and a quarter up a quarter. September, 389 and three quarters up a quarter. December, 397 and a quarter up a half. Soybeans, May, 1026 even, down three and three quarters. That's off their high, their low for about four cents. July, 1036 and three quarters, down three and three quarters. August, 1039 even, down two and three quarters. November, 1024 even, down two and a quarter. Chicago wheat, May, 456 and a quarter, up two and three quarters. July, 472 and a quarter, up three. September, 488 even, up two and a half. Kansas City wheat May, 471 and a half, up six. July, 490 and a half, up six and three quarters. September, 508 and three quarters, up seven. Livestock, April live cattle, a buck 1797, up 27. June, a buck 812, up 75. August a buck six seventeen up ninety. October a buck nine fifty up eighty five. Feeder cattle March a buck thirty seven forty five up sixty seven. April at a buck thirty seven sixty up a dollar thirty seven. May at a buck thirty eight oh two up a dollar seven. And August at a buck forty three seventy two up a dollar fifty two. Lean hogs April sixty one forty seven down a dollar ten. May sixty eight sixty down a dollar seventy two. June seventy five forty seven down a dollar seventy five. And July seventy six seventy down a dollar. Thirty-seven. Outside markets, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 410 points at 24,272. NASDAQ down 110 at 7,234. Every spring, Farm Credit Services of America gets to demonstrate how a cooperative works. That's when we return a portion of our earnings in the form of cash-back dividends to the farmers and ranchers who do business with us. This year, we distributed $200 million in cash-back dividends to our customer owners, which adds up to more than $1.5 billion since 2004. Discover the power of ownership at fcsamerica.com. 
Agriculture works here. Rural Radio Network Farm Director Susan Littlefield has been awarded the Media Appreciation Award from the Nebraska Corn Board and Shepherd's Voice Award from the American Sheep Industry Association. Agriculture organizations take note that the Rural Radio Network's team of farm broadcasters goes above and beyond. Whether it's a 6 a.m. interview or a midnight meeting, they're there to capture the story and inform agriculture producers and consumers alike. Congratulations to Susan Littlefield of the Rural Radio Network. Six new China tariffs as trade war worries mount. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. President Trump today has directed his top trade advisor to impose an estimated $50 billion in new tariffs against Chinese goods. His latest move against what he sees as unfair trade practices, even as markets remain skittish about a possible trade war. The tariffs targeted continued Chinese violations of intellectual property and technology transfer agreements that have disadvantaged U.S. companies and individuals. U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer will have 15 days to release the list of Chinese goods and sectors that will be targeted. That followed by a 30-day comment period. A new study has been released regarding Iowa farmers' knowledge and attitudes toward Iowa nutrition management strategies. Bruce Gorder has more. The Iowa Nutrient Reduction Strategy is aimed at a 45% statewide reduction in nitrogen in the Mississippi as it heads to the Gulf, much of that coming from agriculture. Lori Nowitzki, the survey coordinator at Iowa State University, says while the program is new, some of the results of the survey are encouraging. So a lot of these efforts are still really new and we're seeing really incremental early change. However, uh, uh, it's kind of too early to say what kind of impacts these are uh, these efforts are having on our surface water quality at this point, but we are encouraged by the fact that um, farmers are showing increasing um, positive response towards these issues and increased use of certain conservation practices. That's Lori Nowatsky. She's the survey coordinator for the Iowa Nutrient Reduction Strategy from Iowa State University. I'm Bruce Gorder on the Rural Radio Network. The Trump administration is also seeking a three-year extension for Trade Promotion Authority to negotiate and fast-track trade agreements through Congress. Speaking at the AgriPulse Ag and Food Policy Summit on Wednesday, Greg Dowd, the chief agricultural negotiator at the U.S. Trade Representative's Office, told attendees the Trump administration will use TPA to work on the North American Free Trade Agreement, the U.S.-Korea Free Trade Agreement, and others. Our first step in this process is to seek an extension of trade promotion authority until 2021 and aggressively use that authority to negotiate or revise trade agreements so they are fair, balanced, and support American prosperity. This includes NAFTA and CHORUS and new trade deals that we will seek out. Dow did point out that the Trump trade policy for 2018 seeks to treat farmers fairly. It is just a really good explanation of uh, what the plan here is. And, and clearly in that agenda, it says that the Trump administration will use all tools to ensure America's farmers are treated fairly. Dowd was recently confirmed by the U.S. Senate to serve as the chief agricultural negotiator for U.S. Representative Robert Lighthizer. Well, Kansas State University researchers have discovered how weeds develop resistance to a popular herbicide glyphosate, 
a finding that could have some broad future implications in agriculture and many other industries. The work is detailed in an article that appears in the March 12th edition of the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, known as PNES. The considered to be one of the most cited journals for scientific research in the world. According to the website, it receives more than 21 million hits per month. Herbicide resistance in weeds has been a huge problem, not only in Kansas and the U.S., but many parts of the world, according to one weed scientist and co-author. That's a look at your agricultural news. You can find out more through RuralRadio.com. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. When was the last time you kicked the tires before spring planting? Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. The snow has melted. Planting season is pretty much upon us. And while farmers may be eager to get into the field this spring, a few simple maintenance checks will ensure their tires are ready to go as well. Brad Harris is manager of the Global Agricultural Field Engineering with Firestone Ag. We always encourage customers to do is you don't need to go out and buy a two, $300 gauge from like a, a auto tool place. Um, the 15 to $20 digital gauges that you can pick up at any home appliance store, uh, like a Lowe's, Home Depot, um, equipment dealership, they sell some really decent gauges that are only into that 10 to $15 range, but get a good reliable gauge and uh, you don't have to spend a lot of money to do it, but something that's predictable. I like the digital gauges better. They hold their calibration a lot longer than uh, some of the analog gauges, but uh, don't use the same gauge that goes from zero to 120 PSI that you'd use to check your truck or semi-tires. Uh, get ones that are designed for the ag applications, maybe that zero to 40 or 50 PSI range for our tractors, and then the higher inflation pressure gauges for our sprayer well, obviously, 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 as you're doing that and checking the tire pressure, you need to be doing some inspection as well on those tires for any sort of damage and wear and tear over the years. That's correct. And, and what we've, uh, Firestone Ag, done is we've put a little seven-step checklist out there for everyone to do. But what we want people to do is do some preventative maintenance on their, their tractors, just like they're doing on their planters right now, and check to make sure there's no issues. Uh, look at the sidewalls. If we don't see any cuts or tears in the sidewall of the tire, that, that tire is good. But if we are seeing cuts and exposed cord, uh, we want to get those tires changed and uh, put some new tires on there so that we're, we don't have downtime in the field because those exposed, exposed cords, that's what's going to cause um, some stubble to get in there and cause the tire to lose air. Well, Brad, it just amazed me. I mean, obviously, producers know that when they have tire problems, whether it's a flat or having to completely replace a tire, it costs them money, but not as much as much as the money that it costs them per hour in downtime. That's correct. And when we do have an issue in the field, it always seems like it's uh, one of those days that nothing goes right and that storm front's coming through. And uh, what Firestone has done is we've calculated it costs about it could cost up to $570 an hour in yield loss as you're sitting there waiting for that service truck to come out and change that tire. And that, that assumes that if we're, we're waiting for that truck to arrive and it doesn't arrive before that weather front comes in and we're sitting there for two weeks for it to dry out, we're losing that yield potential. So 
uh, taking 15 to 20 minutes here in the spring to make sure that there's no visible issues with the tires could save us that downtime yield loss. Well, and it's just as simple as really following that Firestone tire checklist that you guys have made available. Correct. And um, it's something that uh, as we're looking at the equipment, we're trying to figure out things to do to keep us busy so that we don't drive our significant others crazy in the house because we can't get out in the field and plant. My conversation with Brad Harris of Firestone. More details at firestoneag.com. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It's midday on the Rural Radio Network, and time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, the NCAA men's basketball tournament resumes tonight with Sweet 16 action. The first game, shortly after 6 central time, has Loyola-Chicago battling Nevada. Kansas State takes on Kentucky in the south at Phillips Arena in Atlanta. And K-State head coach Bruce Weber feels his team has done a good job of fighting through a number of things. We've really persevered. If you look at all the things that have happened to us, the injuries, and uh, it seems like next man up has is, is been definitely something that uh, they've, they've kind of bought into. K-State is making its first appearance in the Sweet 16 in eight years. That game is set to tip off tonight at around 8.37. The other two matchups are in the West, where Texas A&M meets up with third-seeded Michigan and ninth-seeded Florida State looks to upset Gonzaga. The Seminoles haven't reached the Sweet 16 in a quarter century, so certainly was a big deal for them when they knocked off Xavier. Creighton junior Kyrie Thomas is kicking the tires about possibly leaving school early for a chance at the NBA. He submitted paperwork to the league and its undergraduate draft advisory committee. He'll wait for that evaluation while head coach Greg McDermott also reaches out to league front office officials for further feedback. The deadline for early entries to declare for the draft is April 22nd. Now, if Thomas were to declare for the draft, he could do so without hiring an agent. That would allow him to return to school for his senior year as long as he withdrew from the draft before June. Another college basketball news, Rhode Island. Coach Dan Hurley has agreed to become the next head coach at UConn. He succeeds Kevin Ollie, who was fired last month. Hurley was 113-82 in six seasons with the Rams, who went 26-8 this year before losing in the second round of the tournament to Duke. It was a second straight trip to the tournament for the Rams, who won the regular season A-10 championship for the first time. Well, NU's new running back coach is former Husker quarterback Ryan Held, who was one of the first guys Scott Frost hired when he was putting his staff together in Lincoln. A coaching veteran with 12 years of head coaching experience himself, he played with Frost for two seasons at Nebraska in the mid-90s and coached with Frost the past couple of years in Florida. Last week I asked him about him installing the new offense this spring for the Huskers. We've done a lot of uh, film study, uh, our self-scout from last couple years, um, you know, uh, at UCF and what they did at Oregon. And, and uh, you know, really, honestly, you know, as we go through, we're going to tweak some things, but we're going to do what we do, you know, and uh, the, 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 the offense uh, has proven to be successful. And so we'll tweak here and there, but we're going to do what we do. We're going to have our concepts, and our guys got to learn them. And you have scheduled the startup spring workouts again next week. That is a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More middays just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Sports at Midday on KRVN, a presentation of the Woodhouse Auto Family. Becoming mostly cloudy tonight with a chance of rain in northern Nebraska, I'm Dave Schroeder. 
A bill that will allow higher speed limits on Nebraska highways has won first-round approval in the legislature, but it won't apply to Interstate 80. Senators advanced the measure yesterday after stripping out a provision that would have allowed speeds of up to 80 miles per hour on portions of the interstate. The revised proposal would raise a speed limit to 65 miles per hour on certain four-lane highways, up from the current 60 miles per hour. The Department of Transportation would set the limits. Senator John Moranti of Gretna, the bill's sponsor, says it would help streamline Nebraska's roadways. Opponents voiced concern about traffic safety. The latest U.S. Census figures show that Nebraska's rural-urban population divide continues to grow. Douglas, Lancaster, and Sarpy counties grew about 10% from 2010 to 2017, an increase of more than 96,000 people. The state's 90 other counties collectively lost about 2,300 people. Lancaster County's population growth was almost evenly split between migration and natural growth, which is when there are more births than deaths. The county is part of the Lincoln Metropolitan Statistical Area. David Drews, a research coordinator for the Center for Public Affairs Research at the University of Nebraska Omaha, says the University of Nebraska Lincoln draws in many people to the area. Lincoln also hasn't lost any major employers and has a large amount of state and federal jobs. A western Nebraska rancher was injured when his utility vehicle crashed while he was herding cattle. Lincoln County Sheriff's Office says 29-year-old Ryan Sanger called 911 about 10.30 yesterday morning to report that he was pinned under the vehicle. Deputies and medics moved it off Sanger after finding him in a pasture. He was taken to a North Platte hospital. Authorities say that he suffered a broken leg. Lawrence, Kansas officials say about a third of the 150 Lawrence High School band members who recently went to Orlando, Florida, became sick after apparently contracting a norovirus. Lawrence High School assistant principal Mark Pruitt said the students spent six days in Orlando for Festival Disney, a performance arts competition at Disney World. They began falling ill after they arrived at an Orlando hotel on March 14th. A norovirus is a highly contagious virus that people can get from another person, contaminated food or water, or by touching contaminated surfaces. One student was treated at an emergency room for dehydration. The high school is on spring break this week. Our app is a perfect companion to your phone. Download it free in the App Store or Google Play. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. The Nebraska Lead Program and more all on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Joining us to talk about the Nebraska Lead Program is none other than the director of the program, Terry Haney. And Terry, thank you for joining us. Talk to us and just kind of give us an overview of what the Nebraska Lead Program is. Well, for your listeners out there that may not be familiar with the program, it's a two-year adult agricultural leadership development program designed to uh, grow those future leaders for Nebraska agriculture and beyond. And and so uh, we're out and about recruiting, Clay, and it's great to be here in the studio with you this morning. We're recruiting right now for Class 38, so this is a long-time running tradition in our very own Adam Smith of the Rural Radio Network, just graduating from 36, uh, and you've got 37 graduating pretty soon as well. Well, 37 will have their final seminar of their first year this next weekend out in the Panhandle, and then they've got one more year, that second year in the two-year program. And for your listeners, I want them to be aware that during the first year, uh, lead fellows will study local, state, and national issues. And uh, they do that through six three-day in-state seminars that first year. And it also includes 10 days to Kansas City.
City, Washington, D.C., and Chicago, where they'll meet with business leaders and uh, government leaders and those that shape ag policy. Then we give them several months off, and then we'll start up again in se- the next following September. Uh, they'll have six more three-day in-state seminars and a two-week international study travel seminar. And uh, Clay, for example, uh, Adam's class, they traveled to Chile, Argentina, and Uruguay this past January for about 15 days. Obviously, with this many classes, LEAD has proven effective for a lot of people. Where are some of the former LEAD members now? Kind of how have they been able to grow from this experience? Well, you know, with over 1,050 graduates of the program, they've uh, uh, they've truly made a difference. And, you know, if we had to list the accomplishments of each LEAD fellow, I'd be here till next week. But, you know, here's where we see some of our people. They really get involved in their communities, and they make their communities a better place to live. We've had several that have become county commissioners, uh, city council members, uh, have gotten involved in this, their local school board. Uh, we've had uh, we've had some that have moved into other positions. Uh, some have served on the commodity boards, whether it be corn, beef, soybeans, dryable beans, uh, pork producers, etc. Some have become the executive directors of those commodity or grower organizations. We've had one go on to be a United States senator. We've got a board of regents person there, a uh, member uh, at the University of Nebraska. And so, you know, they've parlayed this lead experience into leadership positions that serve others. And that's what leads about our program is a servant leadership and transformational leadership program. Terry, 38 classes. You were a member of class 20, is that correct? That's correct. That was uh, right at the turn of this last century, and uh, it seems like ages ago, but, uh, you know, I'm in close contact with many of my lead fellows. It's great to see what they've gotten involved in. I was fortunate then to uh, take over the uh, reins of the program when Dr. Alan Blazek retired in 2007, and so, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Blizek gave me the keys to the car, and I'm going to keep it running as smooth as I can. And talk to us about some aha moments, whether you want to take it from your personal experience coming through the LEAD program or some that you've seen as a director, just when those moments click and people realize just how big of an importance leadership is. Well, I have so many of them because it's so great to work with an outstanding group of young Nebraskans that care about our state, they care about the agricultural industry, uh, they care about their communities, and for them to, to, to for me to observe them having the aha moments, that confidence that they have, uh, the, the list Listening to these, uh, uh, the presenters, the top-notch presenters, whether it's an in-state seminar in Shadron or Nebraska or in Scotts Bluff or it's a national uh, presentation in Washington, D.C., or, or just traveling this last international to see where their agricultural system is and what they're doing in trade and international diplomacy and what they're doing in education and what they're doing in health care. Those are the aha moments that, you know, we polish up these people, uh, we we put a lot of stuff in front of them. We help them to really understand that there's a lot of uh, of sides to the issue. It's not things aren't black black and white. They're black or white. They're in between. You know, there's it's right in the middle. And so uh, uh, that's my aha moment to watch these young people grow. And I call them young because I'm long in the tooth right now. But uh, to see them grow and develop, and then what they get involved in, and the passion that they have for for this state. Terry, one final question. Folks that want to join League Class 38 that you're recruiting for right now, what do they need to do? Well, here's what they need to do. You know, we'll, uh, we're actively recruiting right now, as you said, for LEAD 38, uh, generally between the ages of 25 and 50, men and women involved in agriculture. You know, they need to be a resident of Nebraska for at least three years. The application process is very simple. Uh, what they need to do, though, is if they haven't uh, requested application materials, is to call my office, uh, 402 472 
1-800-800-8810. I know uh, KRVN and the Rural Radio Network put that on their website. The application process does take a little bit of time. There's some open-ended questions that we'd like them to, to answer to find out more about themselves. Uh, they'll need some references, two personal references, two business references. The deadline's June 15th. They don't want to put it off. Clay, as I travel the state, a lot of people say, well, I'm too busy for lead. Uh, you know, I'm farming this many acres and I got this many head of cattle or, or my job won't allow me to uh, get away from that, uh, uh, my occupation, or my family just won't let me do it. But they really need to take a look at it. Uh, nobody ever has enough time, but you just need to do it. And a thousand, over 1,050 people found the time to complete the program. So I challenge your listeners out there, if they're, they're interested in LEAD, give us a call, find out more about it, request the application materials. That is Director of the Nebraska LEAD Program, Terry Haney, recruiting for Class 38 right now. So if you have an interest, you want to become the next generation of leaders in Nebraska and U.S. Ag leadership, go out, try the Nebraska LEAD Program. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for a market update on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. We see corn and wheat well within the green. Soybeans quickly making a comeback as we've seen a turnaround here in the soybean meal market. Livestock futures, cattle settling higher while lean hogs still settling lower after Trump's announcement earlier today. May corn 376 even up a penny. July 384 even up a penny as well. September 390 even up a half. December 397 and three quarters up one. Soybeans May 1029 and a quarter down a half. July also down a half at 1040 even. August now breaching. It's at 1042 even. That's up a quarter. And we have November 1025 and a half down three quarters. Chicago wheat May 455 and three quarters up two and a quarter. July 471 and three quarters up two and a half. September 487 and three quarters up two and a quarter. Kansas City wheat May 470 and three quarters up five and a quarter. July 489 and a half up five and three quarters. September 508 even up six and a quarter. In the livestock, April live cattle at 118.15 up 45. June at a buck 840 up a dollar two. August at a buck 637 up a dollar 10. October at a buck 990 up a dollar 27. Feeder cattle March at a buck 37.52 up 75. April at a buck 35. 3802 up a dollar 80 may at a buck 3852 up a dollar 57 august at a buck 4425 up 205 lean hogs april 6132 down a dollar 25 may 6815 down 217 june at 7547 down a dollar 75 in july at 7667 down a dollar 40 outside markets the dow jones currently down 315 points at 24366 the nasdaq down 86 at 7259 and the S&P down 36 at 2,681. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Cattlemen, if you're not using Cinevex One Grass Implants, you could be missing out on an additional $24 per head. Designed to increase weight gain in stalkers, steers, and heifers for up to 200 days, Cinevex One Grass helps you harvest more gain from your pastures. In an Oklahoma trial, Cinevex One Grass stalkers outgain cattle implanted with Revlor G or Encore by 20 pounds. Increase your profits on sale day. Visit GrowWithCinevex.com. Do not use Cinevex products in veal calves. Refer to label for complete directions for use, precautions, and warnings. Consider this. Just about everything we eat, wear, and use comes from American agriculture. That's why Americans will be learning more about agriculture's important role in daily life as part of National Ag Day during the week of March 18th through the 24th. This message was brought to you by the Agriculture Council of America and in commemoration of Ag Day, Tuesday, March 20th. 
You'll find more at agday.org. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network talking with Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodities. And Joe, we see some correction and some positivity in the live cattle, feeder cattle, but these hogs reacting to President Trump's news. Yeah, they sure did. Uh, you know, there's still that talk of tariff, and, uh, and Chinese have, are pretty big uh, uh, pork uh, importers, so uh, that, uh, that puts a real fear into the uh, market. Cash uh, was weak also, and the cutouts uh, were off a little bit, and uh, so all of that uh, combined put a lot of pressure on the hogs. We had some triple-digit gain or losses there that uh, uh, was un- very unfortunate for the day. Uh, over in the cattle, though, uh, we fared a little bit better. Green all the way across, uh, we had some triple-digit gains there, and, and particularly in the feeder cattle. Uh, and I think a lot of this... Uh, Evening up before the uh, cattle on feed report tomorrow, uh, cattle trading basically still around 126, and uh, with that discount, uh, that with the futures, uh, there was good reason for it, and the market uh, has been pretty oversold here in the last uh, week or so. So uh, cutouts were higher at noon, uh, and that helped uh, complete the uh, rally today. So uh, mixed in the uh, livestock with the hogs lower and the cattle higher. That is Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, joining us discussing the closing livestock futures numbers. You can find out more information by giving Joe a call at 1-800-328-0134. Again, uh, seeing green on the screen with live cattle, feeder cattle, hogs, though, closing triple digits into the red. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. If... Beef and Schools was a big event for National Ag Week. I'm Shaley Peters joining you now on the Rural Radio Network with several of the people that helped get this put together. And we'll hear first from Shannon Peterson. She is on the board of the Dawson County Cattlemen, and she talks about some of what it took to get Beef and Schools all across Dawson County. We were very excited. Uh, Farm Bureau and us decided that we wanted to go ahead and try and start doing this in schools. Uh, Just with the mass number of kids that we have in Dawson County, we only do it one day throughout the year and stuff. So we went to Tyson and asked them, you know, hey, would you be willing to work with us? They have been a great partner in this, making us great deals on the beef and stuff so that we can take it to these schools and provide provide a great beef meal to all these kids. Peterson says this event was especially timely given they put it together for National Ag Day. We're very excited to be in Gothenburg here for Ag Day. This is our fourth annual beef day that we've been holding. Uh, Dawson County Cattlemen along with Dawson County Farm Bureau and Tyson provide the beef for all the schools in Dawson County. Uh, we hit six schools here that we take. We delivered approximately 1,400 pounds of beef last week. Uh, we bring it to the schools and let them kind of do whatever they want with it to serve the students then during a week. Pat Margaret's a member of the Dawson County Farm Bureau, talked a little bit about why it was important for the Farm Bureau to be involved with the Beef and Schools event. We want to promote agriculture in the country specifically Nebraska, that uh, the students would come to realize that that we as producers provide the food for them that they receive here at the schools and in town. And uh, we partnered with the Dawson County Cattlemen and uh, got together and decided we would promote beef on 
Ag Day. We're just very appreciative that Tyson is cooperating, participating with us, and hopefully the students realize that the food doesn't just come from the grocery store, that we as ag producers raise their food. And it's locally grown food. Kerry, anything else to add? No, and we want to thank uh, the schools for helping us with this so that we can uh, get our product out and so that the children know where it comes from. Several thousand students were served in Dawson County earlier this week for Beef and Schools event. And Carrie Teeter, Lexington Public School Food Service Director, talked about what they received and what they served there in Lexington. We have 712 pounds of uh, bottom round beef that they uh, brought over to us. Uh, we cooked those. We had to cook it in two different schools plus uh, two nights we cooked it. And uh, then the girls spent a couple days slicing it up. We sliced it up to about uh, two and a half ounces per slice. So to, uh, we're serving it on a bun with as roast beef. We did um, uh, supply everyone with uh, barbecue sauce if they want to put barbecue sauce on it. We'll be serving about 2,500 kids today for uh, lunch. That's our normal, what we serve. So Throughout our whole system. Yeah, that'd be through our whole system. So we serve 2,500 for lunch and we serve uh, 1,700 for breakfast. So we have a lot of food that goes through the kitchen each day. Again, hearing from the Dawson County Cattlemen, Dawson County Farm Bureau, and Lexington Public Schools Food Service Director as they put together Beef in Schools this year as a part of National Ag Week and National Ag Day. For more, you can visit RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network, joined with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grains. And John, when we take a look here at the screen, we got the grains all back in the green before the day was out. Yeah, imagine that, huh? If you listen to the news, you'd probably think we were down 20. It, uh, you know, the news obviously dominated by the tariffs and soybeans are uh, kind of the crosshairs of this. So, you know, over the next couple of months, weeks, we really don't know the time frame of where where the next shoe will drop and it'll be you know chinese comments and started to see some things leak out through the internet uh... as far as what their you know their their rhetoric is going to be but i i would say money talks and bs walks and in this case they're going to probably announce a really good export number tomorrow um, followed following an announcement today that they're going to import a hundred million metric tons of soybeans next year so uh... it's <laughs> it's a little difficult to try to put the 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 money and the rhetoric uh, to separate that argument. And right now, I would tell folks, if you're selling soybeans, selling for profitability reasons, don't get too tied up in the short-term picture because in reality, uh, if China's going to buy less soybeans, I would worry. But in, we're in a global marketplace. If they're going to go buy them all from Brazil, the price in Brazil is going to go up a lot. And that's going to essentially incentivize other people to buy from us or maybe even Brazil buy from us. So short-term, I look at the informa today, uh, the informa, informa data today, is probably more important to, to be focused on. And then, as we take a look, we've seen the Fed come back. They've raised interest rates. We see a little bit of action here in the U.S. dollar today. Is this overall looking dismal for grains later on in the trading picture? I don't think so. I mean, I think the informa numbers today. We got. 91, 92 million bush acres of beans. That's getting factored in. You got big U.S. carryouts getting factored in. Dollar, you know, all of that is is in the in the cake. 
And so, from my opinion, it's about whether we grow it. I look for more of a sideways trade. I think the fact means could fall into the, the low 10s, high 9s, but I have a hard time believing it's oversold, in my opinion, as the farmers. I think a lot of guys have sold a lot of heavy, heavy amount of soybeans into this already. I just don't see a, a huge downswing. I think, in fact, in my opinion would be uh, these Argentinian numbers continue to fall. Global stocks in the WASDE report for April are going to show a smaller number than we've been expecting, and I think it's going to put the pressure on the U.S. producer to actually follow through and plant soybeans. I think corn is a tremendous amount of upside based off U.S. production. And even the wheat markets, yes, we have maybe better supply outlook for, for, uh, for Kansas, but we still have global prices that are continuing to rally. So there's a lot of good news that I think ag should hold on to. And don't get too twisted up in the PR spin you're going to see over the next couple of days of this China news. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing Service. For more information, visit danielsagmarketing.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Your closing hour information has been brought to you by Central Valley Irrigation. See the sales team in Holdridge, Lexington, and Carnegie.